Everyone, we wanted to take a quick moment to thank all the listeners, the viewers, and of course the patrons out there. The team here at Vector Sigma hopes that we can bring a little levity and a distraction from the weight of the real world. Time is always precious, but that has become even more obvious now. We want to say that we really do appreciate everyone out there that's spending their time with us. Welcome back, everyone, to Tech Talk, the officially unofficial Transformers TCG podcast. I'm joined, as always, by Scott of VectorSigma.info. And, uh, well, to be perfectly honest, Scott, I wanted to start out with something that's not Transformers related, but I felt needed to be put out there. And anybody watching this on YouTube or if you're watching it live, you're going to notice that the overlay is a little bit different. And there's a reason for that. And I'm going to put it up now. And this is something I've I've mentioned before that we generally avoid real life stuff, give people a little bit of a break. But the fact of the matter is, is I'm an American. Scott lives not too far from me, so also American. You've obviously heard the news, and I am a man, as people have can probably tell by this point, of many, many words. <laughs> probably too many words, as my wife would tell you. Way too many words. So I spent... The last, I don't know, week, 10 days, whatever, mulling back and forth of, okay, I want to say something. Something needs to be said. I don't feel we have a humongous platform. By definition, this is a smaller game. But I feel that if you have a platform, you should be opening your mouth right now. You should all the time, but especially now. And I waffle back and forth of trying to think, should I go very highbrow, very articulate, multi-syllabic words, very eloquent, or should I lean into my New Jersey side and have a vicious, expletive-ridden, <laughs> tons of four-letter words, frothing, raging rant about this? I literally couldn't decide, and now that I'm in the middle of it, I'm going to say this. The message that's above me that says Black Lives Matter is axiomatic, and if you have a problem with it, you need to figure out what your problem is because there's a problem with you. And flatly, that's it. I don't know no, how no much simpler I can put it. What was that? No explanation. This time, believe me, like I can feel it right now. Like I, I said this on Twitter that I was, I am personally angry. I am personally enraged. I am personally ashamed of the things going on in this country. And I have been for a while. It's not as though this was a surprise to people when it happened. You know, there's a reason that every, there's a list of names and it's, it's frankly disgraceful the way things have gotten to this point and something needs to be done. So listener, viewer, whatever you can do to help, whether it's going out and protesting, it's donating, it's supporting your local Black Lives Matter chapter, it's hooking up with other organizations that support those in need, you need to do it because something needs to change. Well, not something, things, lots of things need to change. And I'll leave it at that because I can feel myself getting to the point where I am actually going to get frothing, ragingly angry. 
No problem. <laughs> so, and go vote. Absolutely. Make sure you vote because that is there's it's a long haul from here. We're going to leave that up there because I feel like it needs to be up there and hopefully everybody can appreciate it. So, we'll move into transformer related stuff and leave that behind unless there's anything else you want to throw in, Scott. No, no. It's it's a uh, you know sometimes when there's a world events we tend to talk about them in relation to this, so this exactly. is another one we're passionate about. So. Absolutely. So we'll move into, well, I didn't really have an image for this, and I know this is a very probably intensely jarring segue for everyone, but I didn't have a good toy picture because a lot of the toys, like the Hasbro toys, a lot of them are closed hands so they can hold stuff. Or they're, you know, it's it's an open hand, like straight up open hand kind of thing. It's very rarely pointing. But there is a toy that for Swindle from Fall of Cybertron from years ago, which everybody who's a Transformers fan, G1, should remember Swindle and his backstory, where it's just him. And I know Scott can see me where he's just going. Really? <laughs> yeah, it, it's on the box art. It's hilarious. So he's our image because we wanted to talk a little bit about the secondary market now that Titan's Return is physically in people's hands, or as Scott is probably going to tell us a lot about, on its way to people's hands for a variety of reasons. So go ahead, Scott. I, I heard, uh, didn't uh, one of the voices of Swindle just pass away, right? It wasn't at all. Uh, Did they really? I didn't know that. From Not from the original, the didn't... Because um... he was in Animated, too. Right yeah, as well. Fred, Fred, Fred Willard did his voice in, in Animated. Oh, you're right. You're and right, you're right. Away, so. Yeah. As soon as you said it, I realized it. Yeah. It. Uh. So. I I saw that on. I saw that when. Uh. When it was all going down. Mm. Yeah. So. Um. Well, Scott, tell us a little bit about how the secondary market is doing. After last week, we talked about how there's the potential that it could be a little difficult to acquire exactly what you need. Um. I wouldn't say it's. I wouldn't say it's difficult. It's not that it's difficult. So I think. I think. There's a lot of different directions we can go with this, but I wanted to kind of talk about it in relation to this specific set and why it's a little bit different. Sure. But I think I think what people need to understand is that um, it's different for two major reasons. And we kind of talked about it during the distribution conversation we had last time. So mm. I won't re- I won't 100% restate it, but in case you didn't listen to the last uh, episode, because it was kind of in the, the middle or the end of that, um, the main issue with um, Titan Masters Attack is that on the, I guess we'll, we'll call them like the side cards, like the smaller cards that come in the pack. Yeah. The main issue is that there's more of them. Yeah. Um, and there have been in, so Siege 1 and 2 introduced us to the smaller character card. In the Micro Masters, um, right. Yeah. Which, which also meant that the number of battle cards in the set were reduced. Um, I'm not sure if actually the number of character cards were increased in Siege 1 and 2 compared to Waves 1 and 2. I assume they were. I want to say um, yes, but I'd have to look at the numbers. That feels yeah. right. I would assume so, just because of that. that's when this all started. So um, that increased even more this time. Um, but it sort of. So it, like, it depends on how you look at it. So if you look at the stratagems and uh, the, the, the Titan Master heads... As we talked about last time, and I, I have packs here I can open to show it mm. like live. But <laughs> if you if you get a Titan Master, which means that you get an uncommon or a rare, 
you get a you get a head character with that. Um, I'm always impressed as to how they can actually do that, but um, you know, I, I assume it's like two machines and then two machines and then they come together and make a box. I, I assume it's something like that. Yeah, one of these days, uh, I would love to tour one of the factories. Like, I was never really into how things are made, even as a kid. Like, it was a, mm-hmm. a curiosity, but it wasn't like my thing. But I would love to watch some of these things get packaged because at the, it, if you think about it, the cards are much more delicate than mm-hmm. a lot of things. So it would be very easy for what I assume is this, you know, factory-sized machine to just mash all of these cards. And the foiling and, like, all this other stuff. Like, exactly, yeah. It's yeah. Just, it's but really and, random on, aside. <laughs> on that side. Um so if you get an uncommon or a rare character, big character, you will get a hit. There are 16 of them. Um, I think I think there's six raiders and ten uncommons. So they have their own rarity to begin with. Um, so again, it's a decision tree. So mm-hmm. spoke one of the decision tree or branch one of the decision tree is did I get a Titan Master? Did I not get a Titan Master? Right. If you did, it's then 10-6. There's different percentages. I could probably I probably should draw it out. And I think that's definitely one head. for an article, though, because I yeah, know yeah. I can, like I hear math and I like I'll ingest it, but I won't truly digest it. Yeah, unless you know statistics, like I mean, I use these trees all the time. It basically tells you at the bottom what the percentage is of getting everything from the top. So, like, if you just want to know what's the chance of you getting a rare hit, it's whatever that that spoke is when you finally get down to right. the Oh no, here comes the math again, says chat. <laughs> no, I don't think so, we're getting into the numbers that deep. But I don't know, I know. Um, and on the other side, if you don't get a body character uh, in the uncle, so if you made a common or a super rare, you get a stratagem, but there's 30 of those. 10 are common, 10 are uncommon, 10 are rare. And so what winds up happening is the rare ones are pretty rare. Um, even the uncommon ones are pretty rare. <laughs> yeah. I um, actually, in the case I opened, I didn't open, I opened two villainous spotlights, but not zero heroic spotlights. For the most part, right. aside from that, based on the data you had provided last week, Scott, and what you're echoing today, I'll be honest, I feel like I was incredibly fortunate with my boxes. I hit the three, well, two of the super rares that I definitely wanted to hit. I hit the majority of the stratagems, the whole, the complete set of Sky Shadow, not multiples, but, well, I got multiples of the parts, but not, like, multiple ominous or something. Mm-hmm. It, it, like, I feel like I beat the odds to some extent. But how many rare heads did you get? I think I got one of each, if that's, I... That, that's pretty, like, I mean, that's, you, I, you got more than four part pieces of, of Brunt or six gun though so it's definitely rarer to get mm. like if you got one of every oh, head that's fine yes yeah, yeah. i said i'm sorry when you brought up brunt and six gun i'm like where are you going with this but i i get yeah i was like they're also. not in this set i would be really yeah. surprised if i open one. um no but i to be perfectly honest i'd have to double check maybe i'm missing one because after i opened ominous and grax i was like eh, okay i'm fine i'm i'm happy with i mean you, you in the case, you probably got them all. Like, and that's part of the conversation that we'll we'll segue into. It's not really about that. It's about what happens when you don't buy a lot. Mm. 
So um, then, I mean, we can kind of go there because I think that's, <clears throat> excuse me, I think that's where we were planning on taking the conversation rather than a rehash of last week. Yeah, yeah. And then the other, the other, the other thing we didn't really talk about last week was just about the super rares in general and hmm. the fact that they are, they're. I want to say they're a lot of money right now, but at the same time, they're not as much as a lot of the Siege 2 Super Rares are. Mm-hmm. Like, the three that aren't Southwestern. Um, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so the key... So, I, I, think, I think where I wanted to go with this is there are... The issue with the set is there's a lot of different things to collect. And if you do not buy sealed packs in a large quantity, and I'm not really positive what that large quantity actually is, um, I, I can't tell you for yourself like what that large quantity is. Like you have to right. decide that for yourself. But there definitely is a threshold where once you cross this point, you can expect X, Y, and Z, and below that, it's just entirely a crapshoot. Yeah, the problem is the, the similar nature to other sets though is you still can't avoid the rng of what happens when i buy even two cases i could have the same super rares in them etc except for now the rng that's on top of it is i may not even get a full set of the rare strategies either in this situation so i may not yeah i probably will not get a full set of super rares and i probably at this point also may not get a full set of strategies out of two cases yeah, chat's confirming the same thing. They're like, uh, there's yeah. a couple of people talking about what they were pulling. So, yeah. So the so the first thing I can say is, for the players that buy in mass, and I would say anything a case or above to be in mass as a player. Yeah, that makes sense. It's not gonna it's not gonna feel much different than any other set to you. Um, although you're not gonna have as many doubles of like. What you would consider to be the rare cards, because again, like you probably don't have—I bet you don't have extras or many rare stratagems, right? In your, I case. don't believe if so. They, I, yeah, I think I might have had. I think it was ironically the Cosmos one. Oh, must be nice. <laughs> it might, I think the Cosmos one. I I definitely hit multiple rare stratagems because I distinctly recall opening, say, the Usurper, the Starscream one, uh, Kamiya Toughness, the Windblade one, and going. My, actually, my son was was opening them because he was getting real excited. And he's like, oh, I know who this guy is. And then he picks up some of them and hands them to me. He's like, are these good? And I'm like, yeah, they're great. Because I didn't want him to feel bad that like, he opened a bad card for dad. But see, that, that, but see, that point, though, gets to what kind of what I wanted to bring up, was that, which is the different types of players. And that's really what drives the mm. market. So, so, oh, of course. Again... In case you didn't listen to, I don't even know the last time we did a show like this. It was a while ago. Mm. Um, I don't think I need to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm just going to like justify what my credentials are to be even be able to talk about this <laughs> stuff. Okay. So, um, I think I'm the largest Transformers TCG only dealer on TCG Player, if not, and I probably move the largest amount of. Non, I'm just going to open a billion cases because I open a billion cases of every card game in existence. Transformers TCG dealer on TCG player, so I mostly deal with. Um, and I do some eBay stuff too, but I'm not here to like. You're you're focused stuff. in the field, is what you're saying. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. So, um, and I also 
I work very closely with um, some of the other larger dealers in order to actually set some of the prices that exist when the when the sets first come out. So um, a lot of that comes from directly from me, um, based on rarity, based on all this stuff that we talked about. And then basically, what happens is there's just a free for all from there. So just so you guys all understand, when a set first comes out, there's a lot of other sharks in the water trying to move their extra um, stuff that they've bought. Of but then, but then, then Jaws just comes and clears the rest of the water out until the guppies are are, are taken. So, right. Um, you don't see a lot of them sustain over time. So, like, you have to understand what goes on in the market, like, at all times in order to really be, to be able to see the trends that, that go on. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean everything goes down over time. It's just that there's a there's almost a race to the bottom because of how the TCG player algorithm works. Right. And a lot of the new players coming in just ruin all that. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> um, so I won't get into the specifics of that. But when it comes to this set, there's always there's always different types of players. So you have your I bought a decent amount of sealed product. And I just need to finish off my collection. Now, what you consider your collection is different for every player. Your literal collector is probably somebody I'm not dealing with because I'm on a TCG selling site. Like most of your pure collectors would probably just go to eBay because they just want one of every card or they would just buy a whole set or something like that because they're not looking to get three of every card or whatever. So like if they are, I don't think, I think it'd be rare to find them in at least my line of work. Um, So for me, I think most of the people are trying to finish their playsets. So this comes down to how much sealed product did you buy? And and, and when I, even though like, I don't want to get things confused, I don't want to go off on a tangent too much, but like the one thing I'll say is most sets and this set in particular, it's hard to like beat the system. So it's hard to, you can't just buy like, oh, I bought two boxes and I got lucky and I got three super rares. Well, you still need four more. Right. Like in the, in the old system, you could get really lucky and buy two random boxes and get two super rares. You still needed two more. Um, now they were more money, but that's neither here nor there. So it's really hard in this set if you actually want a full play set to beat the system. Right. Um, so what's changed from Waves 1 and 2 till now is that in Waves 1 and 2, most of the value is actually in the battle cards. Because if you would buy, this is not exactly true for Wave 1 because the distribution was much worse. Um, but if you bought enough sealed product, you basically got your playset of rare characters. There's only two super rares. Like It took me, for example, six boxes to get those super rares, um, which is pretty spot on to where it was in wave two and wave three and wave four to get that number of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but in order to get a play set of battle cards, because that set had many more battle cards than the other sets and many more, it didn't really matter what the like expensive nature of them was. There was just more of them. Um, you would typically not get a place not get a single set of battle cards out of one box. Now you do. So like, I, I find it hard to believe that you don't get a full set of rare battle cards like, like like one set of them out of each box. So if you buy a case of cards, you will get a full play set of battle cards, but you will not get a full, full play set of characters. So that's why even though 
for example, I move obviously way more battle cards than I do character cards. Well, yeah, by definition, almost <laughs> right because you need more than to play. But you you really can't beat the system. So like like getting lucky and buying packs and things like that. Like if you actually want to have everything, like that's just not possible. Um. So that aside, um, the 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 collector type player that wants a playset of everything. They'll jump on, they'll usually, like, I can tell when that type of player's on there, because they'll buy, like, two of this, two of that, two of this, two of that. Now, there are a lot of players out there, like, ourselves included, that like to keep multiple decks together and not move cards between them. So, like, they want right. six copies of everything, or they want nine copies of everything, yep. uh, and stuff like that. So, they're, they're all the same to me, like, that. those type of players are all basically the same. Like, they're just trying to get to the level of cards that they want to get to. So, the difference is, did, did I buy anything to begin with? Or am I just buying everything as singles? Like that's that's your decision. Like you can right. tell what what's going on from there. But those type of players generally are just buying everything uh, to begin with. And in this set, they're having to buy a lot more because again, they have a lot more uh, stratagems that they have to buy. It's most of the stratagems and the and the the head characters that they have to buy. Where in the in the old sets they were like. A dollar each. Now they're not. They're much more than that. Right. So obviously, a card's playability will also be a huge influence. Um, the cream still rises at the top, and that's just because it, everything to do with anything is just supply and demand. The, the other thing I think people that, that people don't really take into consideration is like I'm not Target or Walmart. Like I don't have to have everything in stock in order. Like I don't have to stock i don't know what's a typical thing you go to these stores for what to like walmart or yeah. something you mean yeah uh well right now diapers a lot yeah. <laughs> walmart yeah. or you know wherever so and when you go and when you go there what's like an item you don't always pick up but if you're there you get probably a toy to be perfectly right. honest <laughs> so, probably so a transformers toy i'm not gonna lie so we don't have to stock the equivalent of the needed item in order to push the luxury the, item. And in this niche, situation yeah. is actually it's 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 the it's the if you want to be that way, if you want to be the type of dealer that mm. hey, I have all the premium cards and then you take then you buy all your other stuff that you need from the same cart, then you get into the issue like we have here, which is you know, complete supply and demand. So that's where somebody in my situation is like, that's where I try to be. It's just it's it's very difficult in this set to do that. Um, the other type of players are just the people that, like, you know, uh, I, I'm just filling out, you know, I, I just have to buy what I need. I don't buy everything. Um, I only buy the premium cards. You see that a lot also, which is, right. which is again, like, why those cards are worth money. Because, again, like, for every, like, belligerence is the number one battle card in this set. For every belligerence, you have however many, like, let's just, I think it's, like, 26 battle cards, 26 or 24. I don't remember how many rare battle cards are, but let's just, let's just say there's 25 to make it easier. But for every belligerence I open, there's 24 other ones I open. Now, granted, some of them have value as well, but, like, some of them are versatility. Some of them are plasma horns. Like, you know, like, so... Yeah. So for now, you can move those because the set is new, but eventually they're just going to sit in a box. Right. So, so another thing that people need to understand is, like, for dealers who want to be the Walmart or the Target... Like, we have to, we have just as much crap sitting on the shelf 
going to the clearance section eventually that you know we have of the premium stuff. And the only way we can avoid that, especially when a set is new, is by buying a ton of sealed product because right. no one's really out there selling collections of XYZ and like you're just buying the premium cards and everything else just comes for free. That's another situation. So right. Um, so the bottom line is in this set in particular, because there's almost zero chance unless you bought three or more cases that you got a full play set of super rares. So as usual, somebody in my situation as a dealer, we are buying product to get the super rares. This just happens to also be that we're also needing to do it to get the stratagems as well. Because the so first day the that they not were so there, super rares. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because the first day they were there, I mean, I was out of rare stratagems. And to me, actually, they're undervalued right now, to be honest with you, compared to rarity. It's just their unplayability, to me, that's dragging them down. Because I still think they're the best. Some of them are still the best-looking cards in the set, because I still think some of the full art on, like, you know... I have to say, I I assume Drew or or somebody had to have said that they were going to be full art on the back, but I was Mm -hmm. still surprised. I must have just, you know, it slipped my mind. And as we're opening it, I just, like... I dropped the cards and it flipped over. And I'm like, wow, that mm-hmm. actually looks really awesome. Like, mm-hmm. they look really nice. So shout out to the Wizards team for putting that together. Um, not all of them flip, so I guess you won't always really have an excuse. But if you're running it, you probably know what it is. So I guess a lot of people just put them face down anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, I mean, that's a big thing is that they're, it depends on the type of dealers that want to exist out there, and that's what's driving um, a lot of the prices to where they are. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it just means, like, the value in the set is is there uh, for you to just buy sealed product. If, if you're looking, if you're the type of person that's like, I don't usually buy packs, I usually just buy what I need, mm-hmm. the value is there right now for you to actually buy sealed product because... You're almost going to get one super rare per box. You're going to get two to three rare stratagems per box. And like I think at minimum, the lowest one is still like three or four dollars. So, you know, yeah, like, I think so. I mean, it's never there's other hurdles you have to jump over. Like the value you see on cards is not the take home value that anybody gets. Of course. Which but, I don't think people necessarily realize when you look at sticker prices. Yes, yes. I mean, it's it's just like any it's just like anything. I mean, like there's still fees that have to be paid. There's still labor that has to go into it. There's still tax that has to be paid, etc. Um, but if you if you have the money to spend, and you're like, do I do this? Do I do A or do I do B? Right now, it's just more advantageous for you to to buy sealed product. And I say this to my own to my own detriment, but yeah. <laughs> well. I mean, it, you're doing it for the good of the people, Scott. Yeah. So, <laughs> for the uh, education from, from scratch, of course. Like if you yeah. if you bought a case and you got four super rares and you only need three more, I don't recommend just keep going out and buying <laughs> cases until you, until you get the ones you need. That that sounds more like the scratch off lottery than anything right. else right. at that stage. But but as a starting point, mm. I think this set has a lot of value and a lot of um, you know a lot of movability for the stuff that, that you would want as extras. Makes sense. And then you would get a full play set of battle cards each time. So 
Um, right. If you're the dead player, that we're certainly close because I know I didn't get a full play set of battle cards. Thankfully, it was like, well, unfortunately, I think I got like seven versatilities, but there were a couple that I ended up with only two copies of, and I forget what they were. But it was not belligerence or end hostilities. So again, I kind of didn't care at that point. <laughs> But this is also why you'll see cards like like even Siege Two was like this. Like the rares, the rare battle cards have held their value more than um, other ones. Like Wave One has a, I'll use some fantasy football terms. Like Wave One has stars and scrubs. Mm-hmm. If you're building building your lineup that way, like for right. every piece for tyranny, there's an agility of bumblebee, right? And a combat training. I mean, I could rattle off the crappy ones more than I can rattle off. There's like five. <laughs> there's like six good ones and like a lot of crappy ones. So, right. right. Um, in in Rise of Combiners is even worse. It's like it's like ultimate stars and scrubs. It's like I put all my my eggs in my DFS basket for that week, like on two players. Yeah. Um, Siege One was just bad battle cards across the board. Mm. Uh, and then uh, Siege Two actually has more of like a middling thing. There's no. There's a couple that like stand above, but they don't stand head and shoulders above. And in this set, it's it's kind of the same way. There's a couple that's there's like one or two that stand above, but like a lot of them are in the middle. But I don't. It'll probably settle out differently. Again, it depends on how other dealers want to treat it. Like, if you want to be that Walmart or Target, then like you can wait on the battle guards because by definition, if a dealer wants to be like that, they're just going. They're going to be opening so much product to get the super rares and the rare stratagems that, like, you're going to have it. They're going to be flooded with with battle cards. Right, makes um, sense. But you know, depends on how you want to treat it. Gotcha. Uh, anything else you want to add from other thoughts, Scott, on the secondary market? I don't have a lot to add because I did open my my one case, and like I said, I was very fortunate, so I haven't had to do a lot of hunting for other cards at this stage. But any last points before we move on? Um, no, I mean, like, if you actually, like, a lot of it's just, if you want to know the reasons why certain things happen, like, I can explain them. Mm. Uh, it's, it's, nothing is done without, like, a reason, I guess you could say. Well, like, there's, there's, a, there's a reason for all of it. Um, but realistically, it's just uh, people wanting to complete full sets of everything. And I, and I think, like, we don't have speculators in this game, but if people were going to speculate, I would say that, like, Right now, the rare stratagems to me are just undervalued because I think as we as we move further apart from set release and again players dealers trying to be that Walmart, mm. I think in the long run, like because because I, I can tell you from personal experience the way that I, I only buy sealed product in the beginning when it comes out and then I basically just fill everything else through trades and collections. Like if I bought somebody's collection, I'm not they're not going to have three of every rare stratagem. Like that's right. just not. Well, you don't think that the rare stratagems are going to fall into the character category since whether they're collectors or players, you still only need one for a given character. Uh, Yes, but like, again, not everybody completes their set at the same time. Right. So like, you you get players buying things at all times. Okay. I mean, I I sell a lot of characters from Wave 2. So like, you know, and a lot of characters from Wave 1. That's fair. You know, like, it's, I just think that I just think there's always going to be a demand for them, and there's not the supply is not going to improve. If anything is just going to get worse as people move away from opening more product. Makes sense. 
Although, so, spoiler alert, we'll mention it towards the end, but uh, maybe people will be playing more sealed and there'll be more product open. We'll see. Sure. <laughs> you never know. All right. So we'll we'll be, be, all, be opening more product for them. Well, yes. yeah, technically, <laughs> yes, but <laughs> so yeah. uh, we'll move away from the secondary market and we're, we're going to touch on. So the two topics that are in the bottom two thirds of the topic list, the, the impact of Titan Masters on, we'll call it the format or constructed, it does bleed into sealed as well, uh, and power creep. Now, I want to say a couple things about the latter subject first, even though it's out of sequence. Honestly, I was almost saving this topic, and I'm sure we'll revisit it. That's why I said, you know what, we'll just bring it up for when there's the inevitable rotation, because a lot of the conversations... Power creep is just another form of rotation, but I think this topic bleeds into the Titan Masters because they have, we'll call it naturally pushed out a lot of other characters or seemingly have. And at least for me, I definitely have started building decks and go, oh, well, I could just swap this character for X body plus Parsec or Y body, body plus Kreb, and it's infinitely better because you have that other additional stat block that, and this is going to sound like a weird description, but they effectively have infinite hit points until they deploy kind of thing. Like, you, mm -hmm. you can't get at them in any other way, and by virtue of that, you bring so many more things to the table, and I know we... We've been talking about this since type, the mechanic was first revealed, but I think it is it, it is very much forcing its way in, and I only feel like now people are accepting it, or maybe that's in, in an incorrect assessment of the general population, but do you feel the same way, Scott? Do you have, have many or most normal characters we'll call them been obsoleted as a result of their existence sort of um <clears throat> the issue is it's a mechanic that not only the mechanic itself is powerful but the characters themselves that they put it on are also powerful as in um, the base body or you mean yeah the base body yeah, okay have, have very powerful abilities that like you would play regardless of the of the ability Right. Um, and so as a result of that, you're getting the best of both worlds. Like, if you had told me my choice was to play, I don't know, like, six-drop body with, six-drop vanilla body with a one-star vanilla head, even if it had, like, bold one or something like that, let's just say. Mm -hmm. So, Parsec with vanilla six-drop body versus... Equalized stats on the seven drop, you would play the Titan Master for the same reason because you of get course. two characters in one. However, now it's it's worse than that. Like you're 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 getting a better seven drop in, at all times. Like there's right. there's never a time where it's it's worse because the abilities are just better. Absolutely. And it's not just the it's not simply the abilities that the head gains, like you gain from the head. It's also just the 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 card text on the characters is just better. Yeah. I mean, we had talked about, <clears throat> I want to say two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, when we were discussing our preliminary games and what was going on in the Alpha Trion tournament 
And I posed a question to you then about whether you felt that the Sky Shadow Horrible decks were the best piece through Tyranny decks we've seen. But I And I think that's an interesting question in general, but I think... The one of the underlying unspoken questions is: Is there any? And this is where power creep comes in. Is there any going back from this? I mean, obviously they could make something better. They could make you know, like the normal characters are just twice as many stats, or you know, whatever it happens to be. But do you envision a world where we're going to issue the the Titan Master for a comparable body? Like I can't. Or can they push the normal characters much beyond this before it gets silly? I don't think it'll get silly. I think I think they need to assess like what the actual impact of some of the stuff is. I, I'm not positive. So that opinion is skewed by aggro versus control as well. I think is part of what part of what the the argument here is, is as well. In what capacity? Uh, I think I know where you're going with this, but it, can you explain? So, so like Parsec, for example. If you, so the way the Titan Master mechanic works is if you do not KO the body outside of combat, the head will get one attack. Right. Which means you will get one full turn in the middle of the game that you may not have gotten otherwise. Or that at some, at some point you will get an extra turn. It's not an extra turn, but you will get like it kind of is an extra turn. Like, well, it's you, a you draw get... step. It's an action and upgrade phase. It's an attack. Like, it, maybe the the first three things are more important than the last. To yes. be perfectly honest. Totally. But... Totally. Um, and it will come with a with it, like you said, a one star character that you couldn't get at any other way. So, like, they couldn't just be hovercrafted down. Like, you know, um, uh, you know, with the shotgun analogy again, like you know, catching catching extra damage from like on the side and things like that um so they will get a full other turn out of the deal and on the aggro side somebody like parsec represents probably five damage like out of nowhere plus plus the card points right um whereas on the control side they may not represent much at all except for the fact that usually in the control deck you're you have to make your action phases count more. The cards that you play have to be have to have to be impactful. The problem is is that you can play all the defensive stuff you want. If your character has one hit point, it really doesn't matter where the tell. Yeah, they, so, we haven't seen the prevalence what we were talking about like during preview season of say Flintlock or something where okay, well maybe they can tank a hit. Yeah. But, but even then, I mean the black pips have kind of invalidated some right. of that, but Exactly. So the format is not the format right. The way it stands right now is the format is not conducive to to see what happens on the control side as much as it's very obvious to see what happens on the on the aggressive side. Right. Um. I mean, I had always not to break your train of thought. I had felt way back when we first saw it that this felt as though, and obviously. Set, it's still, we just got the set recently, on top of the fact that there's so many things to explore, and obviously future waves could change this, but I felt that inherently this mechanic favored the aggressive end simply because, it, well, exactly what you said, that random head, especially given the prevalence of black pips now, you can just get in there and KO something unexpectedly or put a significant chunk of damage, but the control head 
it might be a wall. Maybe. It's entirely possible it's, it won't it's hard. be. It's hard. It's hard. Yeah. And it requires a lot of investment up front to get a head that can stand that. Like, usually three or more stars. Yeah. There's way less effort, less burden put on the aggressive spectrum, end of the spectrum here, than it is on right. the control end of the spectrum. Right. And that's why I, it feels... So we had our historically after wave two, I mean, yes, the combiners came in and changed a lot of things because it was a brand new mechanic. It was the second set, but really the stat increases from three and four were pretty big. And then a number of battle cards, this, I feel skews and shifts the paradigm or, or pick another phrase that you prefer that the way the game is going to be played going forward, because you, you're kind of forced into certain positions before where you were now compared to what you would have had a variety of options before, or it feels that way anyway. Um, because you're just saying it's more efficient to do one thing versus another. Well, yeah, it's, it, and not to beat the dead horse, but it's, <laughs> at what point would you ever want to play? Cause I've tried a number of times to like, tracks just because i like the character and also like i do like the flip ability where it's a i'll call it a bigger they are but it or the, a smaller leap whatever way you want to look at it for free free sort of uh because i was thinking like tracks wind charger okay you can power up wind charger in a similar way that you could with blaster but i uh, or <clears throat> wind sweeper or pick arbitrary other character that does not come with a head and you you feel handicapped from the word go in those scenarios i think but the problem is let me ask let me ask you this which titan masters are you actually building around they're all the same right like they're not well there's always going to yeah i mean i have the rotation going on on screen sorry there was a a fly Uh, (laughs) i'm not just randomly grabbing at things Although I, I guess I talk with my hands enough, it probably looked like that anyway. But uh, yeah, like Skull Smasher, who I really wanted to work. Uh, I mean, Top Spin was one that I had high on my list, and then just he's fallen out of favor. But yes, it's it's primarily the Horribles, the Fangries. I mean, I've been working a lot with Quake, but uh, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I it is often the same. But I, if I'm a, properly assuming where you're going with the argument. I think any of these mechanics, yeah, it's, I've said it a bunch of times before, there's a subset of them that, okay, these are going to be our top tier, and then nobody's going to remember the rest of them. But I feel like these, to the power creep argument, every new set kind of phases out, or up to this far, and this is not an official pattern, this is just me mulling it around in my brain, that two waves ago, those characters are now getting obsoleted. Mm-hmm. This feels more like okay. It's play these guys, and then a smattering of whatever the very last wave was. It it feels more extreme than it did three to four, or even two to three. Maybe that's not accurate because I haven't sat down and written it all out. Do you? Are you thinking the same way, or you don't think it's that extreme? Sort of. I just it it, it depends on the it depends on the star drop. Like, I'm not rushing out to play, like, I find the Optimus to be extremely boring. I find well, the Megatron to the be... The gameplay is pretty be, boring. I'm not going to... For most people, I like it, but... <laughs> yeah. 
um, inefficiently boring. Let's put it that way. Well, there's um, that. Yes. Like you know, I just I I find that there are. I find certain ones, certain like a lot of the ones that start at nine are difficult to build around, no matter how you slice it. But the, because their stats are not as good as comparable other characters at that stat drop. Like I would still rather like I would still rather play. The issue is that a lot of these characters bring other things to the table. It's 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 they bring very very powerful flip abilities. They bring the ability to not have to flip. They bring get to combine into another character. Like like the problem is it's a very difficult mechanic to assess because. Every single one that we're playing is... I, I'm trying to think, like, of the analogy, but, like... I don't want to make a WoW analogy, because people won't understand that, but, like... <laughs> but, like... Like, pick a magic ability that, like, people know, and, like, a, a new keyword would come out, like... And only one or two cards would ever see play that had that keyword. You had to know what the keyword do, did just because of this one card that had it, right? Like, outside of limited, of course. Um... Like, every format wasn't, like, it wasn't, like, Blue-Green Madness, where, like, the entire deck was built around, um, like, that mechanic that was very good, because how, how good it was. A lot of, a lot of the keywords... It was a good enough card with the keyword tacked on. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like, or, or the keywords typically worked for that one card and not others. Mm. In this situation, all the ones we're trying to play with are good, and they have the keyword on them. Yeah, like we would be playing a lot of these characters regardless of whether they were Titan Masters or not, and the fact that they are is just gravy on top of the like icing on top of the or like Carvel cake. Not even like on top of like the the good supermarket cake. I'm talking like it's on top of the Carvel cake. So, <laughs> okay. you know, Fair. So that's I think I honestly think that's the issue, and 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 it it kind of surprises me, but at the same time, like I guess it doesn't because like. You have to, and this is where the power creep argument comes in. Like, you have to push a mechanic, but it's just that like you're really pushing both sides of like of the argument at the same time. Like, this character is good on its own, and it also has the keyword ability. Like, you know, mm. it's like it's like as if every one of the aerial bots was insane. Like, they weren't all insane. Like, like they they. It's it's not like how many of them saw play in other decks? Like very like none of them, I think, right? Like Yeah, but like yeah, the brave the, guy would show up periodically, I guess maybe Silver Bolt. Oh uh, no, no, I guess oh I guess Scott Sky did, obviously. Um Yes, after later on, yeah, right. I was yeah. thinking more around yeah. the time. But like other combiner parts would see play in other decks, yet they yet their combiner didn't see play. And so here, like I feel like we don't really have that luxury. Like we don't really get to see what like the mechanic looks like at the base level because we would be playing these characters anyway, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I follow you. I mean, it, it definitely makes sense that they are pushed enough that if Horrible had that card text, he's probably getting played anyway. Right. Like it's just the fact of the matter is that he does. Whereas Megatron, I mean, I'll be Megatron in particular. I've been trying to look at weird stuff to see if he solves some of the issues of those aggro tank builds, but that's a, a digression that we don't need to go down. Um, there are definitely stinkers in this bunch. I mean, I'm not real enthused about running Mind Wipe, but I think every mechanic, to your point, always has that. 
we'll have the all-stars, but I think the the power creepiness of it feels stronger in that because of the modularity, so a a, a horrible has the opportunity to push out a seven drop, an eight drop, a nine mm-hmm. drop. Yep. I mean, I guess hypothetically a 10 if you go with one of the other ones for some reason. Mm-hmm. And because of that, it, I guess because of exactly your point, it's a good enough card on its own. And at none of those points in the spectrum or in that range, do you go, yeah, I'd much rather go play tracks or I'd much go rather play, you know, whatever arbitrary character. Cause it's very easy to just say, well, I'll play two guys that don't flip and fill in the stars with horrible and ahead. I, mm-hmm. uh, while that at least the way I've been presenting it, I think people might interpret it as a very, the sky is falling scenario. I'm confident that when we get wave six, we're going to probably have a similar discussion of, oh my God, these cards from wave six are great and it'll be fine. And you'll still have other legacy cards. It's just, it's interesting in that we know there's going to be an inevitable set rotation sometime down the line, like way out there. And I'm curious how far things get pushed in certain directions or certain mechanics happen because the the two options to continue selling cards are either you power creep out the old cards or you rotate or I guess and re- I guess you could include banning in there but that's like if you want sure. a rotation is like banning a whole bunch of sets you know whatever if you want to look at it weird uh obviously wizards has to keep selling cards like that's fine mm-hmm. and I think there is a sufficient amount of time generally obviously real life withstanding to get play value out of your cards. Like you have enough opportunities to actually play with the cards that it's not like I buy them and then they get thrown away or invalidated quickly. Um, I'm just very curious because personally I would lean towards myself, the rotation format because, and this was why I was almost going to save this whole thing for when rotation inevitably gets clarified down the line. But that could be a year from now, for all we know. So, the reason I say... Well, they said, I, they said, I'm assuming, because they're still printing those sets. So. They said what? In, in an interview, he said that the reason why you rotate is because product isn't available to new players, and that's just not the situation right now. Right. So, like, that's well, one of the reasons why you... It's not just for... It's, they, they, he, what he said is they have not, like, backed themselves into a hole where they need to, like... Rotate out two powerful cards. Yeah, like they need to make up the the new lightning bolt, the new like whatever. Like they don't have to just reprint a reprint a card, but like call it something different. Yeah, a like functional not, reprint. Ah, literal reprint like this, like you know, like yeah, like functional instead of bolt of lightning. It, they they could call it I don't know lightning bolt. That right, sounds exactly. wild. Exactly. <laughs> it sounds I ridiculous. Mean, we can... <laughs> I mean, Dan talked about, and I'm, I'm sure he did not watch this, like when we were opening all the sealed pools, like we talked about mm-hmm. potentially having formats during our tournament series that included some of these things, like our own rotation and things like that, just to see how things would go. Right. And have different cards see more play. But I think, I think, I think the two aspects that we, we, that people need to understand that we probably haven't mentioned is like, to me, the two things that stick out about this, besides the fact, again, that it just happens to be that the characters are powerful on their own is, the one continuous turn nature 
of aggro matchups. Um, and what that what people have yet to properly take into consideration when trying to test out other characters and see what their impact could be as a result of understanding that's what the format looks like. Mm-hmm. And then two is um, how much better how much how much better card draw is in the control aspect of the Titan Masters because I think that's one. I think those two aspects are unexplored because I think people just don't understand what the game has to look like and change as a result of what's going on. Well, it definitely has changed, and starting with the latter, I agree with you. I think card draw is certainly in the past was for this game viewed as less powerful and i think that is if it hasn't already started to change it is obviously starting now because of a number of factors and trying to keep your hand gassed up trying to find the appropriate things that you need and i've definitely built a number of lists where when you try them out it's all right i'm top decking way too soon and i need to refuel how am i going to do this appropriately while still having the the necessary team members or whatever the case may be to your other point about the one big continuous turn. I think that kind of flows from the question that I started out with of the best PTT deck and not, I know you don't mean literally back to back turns kind of thing, but the fact that they are allowed to, they being the aggro deck are allowed to continue teeing off on certain characters because once they're exposed it's like, oh, well, you had to kill my guy, so now I get these other guys who get to keep getting in. I mean, you're, you, you just can't expect, especially in aggro mirrors, to like ever get a second turn out of a guy. Right. And so if, so if you're doing that, to me, that opens the door tremendously for a lot more characters to see play than actually are. Is there one you're willing to share with the masses? <laughs> well, to me, it's like, the ones that stick out to me that I think people are not trying are... Um, like that Megatron to me does go up in value if you can afford to use it because you only have to really his 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 need to flip once to get to the mode to get a larger attack that may be all you need. Right. Um, granted, of course, it costs twelve, but like you know, and then, and like his stats probably just aren't good enough. But it's like it's like it's one shot abilities like that that look like I'm never going to get to do this twice. That might not matter. Like honestly, it's like world, like. You attack with him in helicopter mode, you flip a blue-orange, you strafing run their team, except for the guy that you're attacking, and then you get to a mode where you automatically get built-in force fields. Like, this seems fine to me when you aren't expecting him to live anyway, which is whether or not you get a value out of the other characters that are on the board with him compared to other decks. Like, um, Nautica is another one that I've never seen play yet, like... There's a lot of value. The problem is she suffers if you go first. If you don't go first, she's a lot worse because they can just tee off on her, but that might be okay. And she's a little bit too expensive. If she was like one star less, it might be okay. Um, but like any characters that have built in combat advantage like that, that are glass cannons, but can somehow possibly survive mm. a turn, like like the Ramhorn ability, like Blaster in this situation, like things like that, like. Any character like that, I think, just needs to be... Any glass cannon like that needs to be explored. Right. And understood, as long as they can somehow survive to another turn. And somebody like Nautica, that's already a Titan Master to begin with, hmm. she's like a really good example of you're also getting ahead out of the deal later. Yeah. Well, I think that's um, where a lot of people are getting hung up, because it's 
if I'm hearing you correctly and it, the thought process, I think a lot of people have gotten through step one. It's like, wow, this is really powerful. Everybody recognizes that it's much more aggressive than what we had seen in the past meta, at least right now. And as a result, the glass cannon thing is appropriate. The natural reaction is, well, why don't I just play a bunch of Titan Masters? Because then I don't even have to think about how to get the value. Like, the bodies are just there. As compared to some of these other things you're suggesting where we, you would need to... You'd have to engineer the deck differently in order to leverage those sort of advantages. Uh, potentially. I mean, like, I, I don't think there's any... I don't know. To me, there's not a huge advantage to, like... I mean, you have to build certain cards in your deck if you're going to play some some of these characters. Like, but mm. I think that that becomes, if you want to stay on the aggro spectrum, I think these are some of the answers that are out there, right? To specifically play against the other side of this. Yeah, it's one of those things that it. I know there have been other complaints, or I've seen people reference other complaints about. It's it, the answer feels like it's just go faster to some extent. And I know this is starting to get off topic from the original things that we had posted, but going into the blue realm is certainly more difficult now. Do you feel at this point in time that you, to try and bring it back to Titan Masters specifically, do you think you have to have one of those? I know you've talked about Galaxy before, but are there world examples that you think people are obviously missing on the blue end of the spectrum? That was an example for the blue one. That was an example for different... Right, I'm saying, is there something like Whirl, but on the blue side that you think is... that people are undervaluing at this stage? Yeah, on the blue side, you just have that, like I've said in the beginning, you just have that more than one viable attacker. You just can't dirtle around. And that's what people are upset about. They can't sit behind their giant walls anymore and, like, you know, take a smoke break while their opponent does nothing during their attack phase. Yeah, it's not... The control deck's... Would you feel it's accurate to say the control decks are more mid-rangey, but they're being you would view them as control because they're not, you know, balls to the wall? I feel the control I feel on the spec on the continuum of aggro to control, you you can't exist in over here anymore, which is where all the wave four meta was. Right. You have to be closer in the middle on the aggro control spectrum. Yeah. You, you have to you have to be dealing damage like at the same time, like at all times, basically. Makes sense. Um, so like I said, I was trying to just drag it back specifically to the, the Titan masters. If we explore a little bit more on the, the power creep end, just to elaborate on something I was saying earlier, I, I must've missed it in one of the interviews when Drew had said that they haven't run out of ideas. Not that I'm saying that they did, but where I was going with it earlier on preference for that is that I do enjoy super powerful formats. That's why I play eternal formats in other games. But there's certainly, I feel like there's there's a point where you do want to have a ceiling and more side grade things. And I'm sure they can continue doing that. But we have seen an, an escalation, I guess, whether it be stats or into the mechanics or however you want to look at it as we've gone through each wave. I don't, I don't really have a, well, do you think this is going to get worse is the kind of question, but... Has that been the same observation for you? Do you think that, you know, we're expecting... We know there's going to be a rotation, so eventually there will be a cap. But do you think this is roughly where they would want the power level to be sort of thing? 
I don't know if that question makes a whole lot of sense. I think the issue is the mechanics that now exist make a lot of the downside of playing cards from previous waves negligible. Like the powerful cards from previous waves that would, you would normally have to jump through hoops to see play mm. no longer have downsides to them. Well, like, is there one you're thinking of in particular? Easter Tyranny. Well, one shot thing. But I there's mean, no downside. There's no, there's no downside at all. Like, there's absolutely, it only helps you at this point. Like, there's no, yeah. like, KOing one of your characters is not even a negative anymore because that character is going to be tapped. You get another character out of the deal. It's worse than it was for Battlemasters because you're getting a whole turn out of the deal. When the Battlemaster turned into a weapon, you weren't getting a whole, whole turn out of the deal. Right. So, um, one shot stand is another one. Um, like, there's no downside for the same exact argument. Like, the damage is going to be on that character anyway. There's no downside. Um, right. Energon Axe, there's no downside. If you're going to play, like, I'm going to play Scouting Mission. Like, it's so much easier just to put incremental damage on your guys to 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 suit them up before they even have to attack. Right. Um, for advantage. Canyon Crash, um, Scouting Mission. Like, so, like, even... Th this is the same argument that happened last wave for, like... How much play did the Matrix see before Galaxy Prime? And then all of a sudden, you had it like Springer Rider decks were playing it. Like, like, like the leader, the Autobot leader suddenly like went up in, in like, it, you weren't embarrassed to be playing that as your upgrade for the turn right. anymore. It wasn't like your, your like worst upgrade I could possibly play. So I'm just going to play it as a one of, so that way if I don't get one of my weapons or something like that, I can just play this. You have something, yeah. Right. And that's that's been slowly happening time and time again, and I'm not really sure that, like... So the power... Like, what we saw as powerful battle cards all the time just became more and more and more, like, consistent and constant in the environment because of other things that were printed. So whereas the characters have been phased out, I'll say... Mm -hmm wave to wave you're saying the opposite is happening with battle cards yes are there any it, it, just to explore the point further are there any that you can think of that were not because the ones you had named were i mean they were getting played anyway were they sh in one shell stance case and some of the others they should have been getting played more than they were anyway uh are there any that you i guess the matrix would be a good example of ones that went from virtually nothing to forefront ca cards um like like the black x cards like the rock toss steady shot like these these type of cards will see more play because of the combinations with other characters um mm. certain one ofs will get to see more play because the card draw becomes more prevalent and more powerful um trying to think of like specific others I mean, we don't have to go through the, the whole card list, but I do, it's interesting to put it that way because I think, I know for me, my initial reaction, I, it, Drew has said it on multiple occasions that the their goal is always to put the characters at the forefront. So, mm -hmm. I and I think many people out there, you know, we're all, it, well, not all, shout out to Dan. We're all, well, Most of us are Transformers fans. And <laughs> uh, we're going to default to looking at the characters first and the fact that, you know, some characters that people have come to know and love as cards have fallen by the wayside. But by the same token, 
some of those smaller cards have risen in value from a gameplay perspective. Yeah, I, I think that's really what I think that's what we're seeing. Like, I just think that the, the bottom line of all this is, is is it is definitely a powerful mechanic that changes the way the game is actually physically played, but it needs to be understood that there are ways to combat it that already exist that people might just need to focus their attention on because they're still... It's very easy to, again, to, to find the rock and say, this is a powerful interpretation of this mechanic. I understand it. It's easy for me to grok. Um, it, it's very basic. But then, like, you have to understand that we're living in a different world and that the... You can, you don't necessarily have to go to paper. You should go to whatever in between is and still deal with rock. What, what was that stupid Big Bang Theory thing? Is that the one that originated rock. the yeah. rock, rock, paper, scissors, lizard, Spock? So they always we're, pick, we're talking they always about something Spock. in there. <laughs> they always pick Spock, though. Yes, yes, yeah. exactly. Like Fair. exactly, that's exactly right. Like, and and this was again like mentioned in Spheres a long time ago, but like. I just think that those things have to be found and understood. And I think that they exist currently. Um, I just think that they, they just need to be explored because it can't, it's not all going to, like, there, ha there are definitely other sides of the coin. It doesn't have to, again, be a, a 180 to find, like, the answer to all of the aggro decks. It just has to be, or this specific aggro deck. It can just be, I'm still an aggro deck, but I'm doing this more efficiently. Right. I mean that's also part of it is that I've I've seen some chicken littling myself as far as the way things are what people perceive them to be and sometimes it's just going to take all right well this is the paper to this rock and then that immediately shatters things because then that opens the floodgates for other builds to become viable Exactly so um and unless I mean, you, and you don't have to like you don't have to artificially put restraints on people either. Well, like, yeah, that's part of, part of the other issue. I think people just want to artificially put restraints on things instead of trying to find actual answers. There's there hasn't been enough time or enough effort put into searching for solutions to justifiably reach for the artificial solution. Correct. Um. So I'll be honest with you, Scott, that's pretty much all I wanted to pick your brain about, or at least all I had on my notes to to go through for these particular topics. Was there anything else you wanted to add about any of these before we close up shop? Um, no, I, like I said, it, you, you really have to, until you play with the mechanic, you don't understand how powerful it really is. But that does not mean that, like, the entire format has to shift to that. Um, and if you are going to play it on the control side... You just have to understand that, like, you need to take advantage of that turn. And I don't think that people, I, I mean, I've played decks that do, but, like, I haven't seen a lot of other people in a lot of formats doing that. And, like, there's a there's a reason why, there's a reason why you have to move to that aggro control side of the spectrum. is because you need to make sure that when that Titan Master head pops off, that the turn you're getting is just as powerful as a turn with any other character. Right. Which means you need to make those two card plays count. And the only way to do that is to make sure that your hand is stacked at that time. Hence the so, reference to card draw earlier. <laughs> right, right. And I think I just think that people aren't adapting to that. Haven't adapted to that because I've seen a lot of turns where it's like, uh 
I, I just attack with my crappy head that doesn't do anything and go like and then yeah. you basically got no value out of it so. yeah you hope you flip the appropriate pips to make it relevant right and they're if you're playing a troll like there aren't always those in the deck so that would be yeah. correct <laughs> yeah so. uh, absolutely but yeah i think we can close up shop there uh at least at this stage so uh well, my take it, card well, packs gets a, comes up for the camera <laughs> well there was actually one other thing speaking of card packs uh do you want to spend a little bit of time at the end of the show talking about the seal event yeah so we're having our um super release event if you're listening to this you've seen it to death because it's been on every single most of the uh covers you've seen us talk about it at length uh, but the one thing I guess I wanted to talk about was uh, this is the first of many events that we're going to run um, as as more and more open style convention events seem to be canceled across the country. We just wanted this opportunity to to have the equivalent of organized play happen for uh, the community out there. So we created a tournament here for um, for Patreon. Um, and I, I think we've talked at length as to why. Well, Dan and I actually talked at length during our, our opening, but I'll restate it here. Like, um, putting on these events is a lot of work. We are not tournament organizers. We are not like any of that kind of stuff. We're, we're players at heart. We just want our own outlet to play. Um, so that's why it's that's why it's a Patreon tier, not open to the the general public. It's basically, but 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 in reality, like most of your quote monthly patreon fee is going to prizes i think if you look at the prizes that are being offered they're quite extensive and then the rule on top of that is like any of us the core members of the team uh the five of us are not actually eligible to win prizes so any prizes that we would be eligible for actually pass down to um to the other players within the elimination rounds over in, in this example um like if, if we make top eight and get a top eight prize uh it would pass down to the other members of the top eight so you don't have to worry about any of that from a prize perspective. We just want the opportunity to play. Right. Um, but this is the first event, I think, and this, this, I haven't vetted this yet, but it was part of what, one thing we mentioned we have, not, we have not vetted yet. I think what's going to happen is the top X number of players from each one of the events passing down will get to play in an invitational event at the end for even more prizes. Um, again, we won't be eligible for them, et cetera, um, but we're allowed to play in it. So um, that's that's the, the season aspect and the qualification aspect that'll go on throughout these various events. Um, our goal is to do these events once a month, but what that requires is for players to basically play a match, their specific match, like once every like three or four days uh, once we've announced it. The, the deal with the sealed event is on June 6th, which is saturday yep so it's already going to be past this um we will do a random drawing as to which sealed pool you'll be eligible for um it'll be on the patreon site on a also on a google doc um you'll see the pool that's in front of you like we've already created them they're all they've all been recorded they're all out there publicly now on the youtube page um so you get to build that sealed pool out of your collection it's almost like it's not so much like sit down and crack six packs. It's almost like it's almost like a format. Like here's the only card you have available to you. It, it feels a little bit different than sealed in that way because the pool is like assigned to you as opposed to like just cracking packs. Um, 
all the pools will be available for everybody to see. So that way, because we're not, unlike the Alphatron pre-sale invitational, we are not like table judging every single game. So the players will be judging themselves. And part of it is like, you know, you have access to your opponent's pool. So like, if you see all of a sudden that they played their fourth copy of something that they don't only have three copies in their deck, like you can be like, uh, that's yeah. not legal. And then you call one of us. Yeah. Like, oh, it will be available for it, but yeah, yeah. it's not going to be the same yeah. format where we're literally observing at the time. Yeah. And that, that has to be done from now on anyway, just because of the, the increased size of the events and the fact that we want to try to run them more often and we're going to be playing them. Um, so we'll be around for as, 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 judge rulings and we obviously won't judge our own games and things like that but um so yeah there's that aspect of it um but yeah i I mean it's just this is just an attempt to have our equivalent of organized play i mean we want we want these cards that you're buying and and you you want to collect to be used in a in a competitive setting and you know if if you go back and listen to our interview with drew and and other interviews that are them like they they they're all about playing over webcams and playing with the actual cards and and and, and playing in that way um, without the use of third-party software. So, um, you know, it's it's. I'm not saying it's quote sponsored by Wizards, but I mean it's it's for now. Um, but it is sponsored. It, it by- let's be real. It's it's the best we're gonna get. Like, yeah. <laughs> there, are, there aren't really alternatives. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, if this is sponsored by Top Deck Games, the, our, our local game store, and I'm working on some. Um, additional uh, ways of working with them to 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 help us out in terms of like making some of the prizes just easier to obtain. It's not about like getting prizes from them; it's just making it easier to obtain out there. Uh, but I I can't go into all the details now. But like it just makes the burden of some of that stuff easier on us. Um, but it doesn't really affect anything else. But yeah, I mean, I, I to me like we're 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 giving out better prizes than you can probably get in most events around the country. So yeah, if, in my opinion, if you, if you, if you enjoy playing this game competitively outside your kitchen table, I, I can't imagine why you wouldn't play in these events. Um, and like I said, the, 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 there will be an invitational at the end of this. Um, I don't know how like, we're probably going to do it like quarterly. So it'll probably be like the top four from each event, just throwing it out there. So the earlier you jump on the train, the, the better chance you have of, of qualifying for that. And you still get access to all the other information that you would get at that at that level anyway, which is pretty much like all the tournament information that we give out uh, through the Patreon to begin with. So like, you know, I, I, I don't know that you can get much more value out of out of like getting the ability to play the game and getting all the knowledge from the players that are actually you're playing against while while it's going on so right i don't know what else i can say to sell it because i I don't really i I can't imagine there being a better value out there if you actually want to play this game competitively like um there's like i said there's no i wish i wish i could say we're doing this for other reasons like (laughs) oh this is a money maker or something like that it's really not we're doing this to give back and to have competitive play right so um yeah, if you if you if you were the type of person that was going to travel to Gen Con or travel to Origins and all of them and plan to qualify for the EI and all that stuff, like this is as close as you're going to get, and in a supported way, that's that's you know that for good prizes. So absolutely. So 
I think now we can officially close it up because I did want to make sure that we mentioned that it obviously when most people are listening or watching to this, it the pools will at least have already been done. But like Scott was saying, this isn't going to be the last one. So definitely check it out because I know everybody out there is itching to play. I know we are itching to play. So this is a way to scratch that itch. But yep. as always, everyone, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. And please tune in next time for more Tech Talk.